watching Princess. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. It is Thursday, February 8th, and boy, we got a lot of news to get to. Uh, let me tell you first about my trip to Texas. It was a little more than um, disappointing. A little bit more than disappointing. Uh, we get down there, and the understanding was is that Americans were coming together to actually defend the border, to take positions where the National Guard couldn't be, where the Texas State Police couldn't be. And when we got down there, that wasn't what was on board. That's not what was going to happen. This was a political rally. Nothing more, nothing less. It was a political rally. I'd like to know how much money was generated out of this little stunt of going down to Texas because nothing was accomplished other than I met a, a ton of great Americans, a, a ton of great uh, um, patriots, and a bunch of politicians wanting to stand up on stage and say what they're going to do next after they get elected. The problem that we have, folks, is, is not an election in November. It's the politicians that aren't abiding by the law those elected last time that, that aren't abiding by the law now, today. You think another election is going to fix that? You think that's going to be the solution? And what did Greg Abbott say about our presence in Texas? Don't come down here being a vigilante. Don't come down here expecting to do our job for us. That's me paraphrasing what he said. Somebody's got to do it. Well, Greg Abbott's standing up. We've got to stand behind Greg Abbott because he's standing up after how long? How long has this mess been going on? And now he grows a set of balls going into an election? Surprise, surprise, surprise. Folks, I'm as pro-American and as pro-patriot and as pro-closed uh, borders as you can get. And that's not what we got from the stint down in Texas. It was a nightmare getting down there. Another situation where I was in somebody else's car. By the way, I'll never drive with anybody else again. That's been my rule for 35, 45 years. I just don't drive with other people. I don't know what their car is. I don't know what their maintenance package is. I don't know what, what how much money they got in their pocket to fix the problem. If we got, it, I'm not I'm never doing it again. And in the last six weeks, I've broken that rule twice and twice had problems. So never, never doing it again. Done. Front end of the car fell out on the in Oklahoma City on the way down there, uh, so no, not never doing that again. I did get down to Texas, and when I was down there, though, found um, that the reporting that was coming from CNN, MSNBC, and the others uh, on site were saying, "Well, nothing's going on down here. Nothing's happening down here. There is no reason for these people to be down here. It's just another waste of time." That's not the situation. The situation on the ground is terrible. How do you find that out? Well, you don't talk to the politicians and you don't talk to the people at a rally. You go into the community and you ask people in the community what the hell is going on. And that's exactly what we did. I met this gentleman named uh, Carl Kidd and Carl said this about what's happening in Texas. What's it been down here in Eagle Pass for the last few years? It's been pretty cool, but pretty busy with the, the whole migrant stuff. What's your view on that? You should do it correctly. You should do it the right way. What's the difference between now and what it was like just a few months ago? Now the job's getting done. Before, Explain that. The soldiers and the DPS just take care of business. They're, they're not in nobody cross. Before you would have to be here. Like if you were here before they got here, you would hear like around 8.30. Once it gets dark, there would be like 10 packs, packs of 15 people coming and running across. I think it's bullshit because the taxpayers have to bust their ass and these guys are coming across illegally through the river and they're getting everything they're getting like housing they're getting what i said that one of the sheriffs over here was saying that he, they're getting like a, bet, a debit card with three or five grand house free housing food stamps and everything and american taxpaying people are busting their ass like literally struggling to pay taxes struggling to pay their foods and everything you know maintaining a family but then you got illegals coming across and they just 
they get a, the red carpet when the Americans are getting pretty much fucked. Coming up in 2024, who do you support? We got the flag. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Only Trump. And there you have it. That's the mood in Texas. It's not um, It's not what they're trying to tell you on the, the mainstream media. It's not what they're trying to tell you on Fox. It's not what they're tra- telling you on CNN. You go talk to the people that live in the communities along the border. They're all saying the exact same thing. Many of them didn't want to go on camera because they're, they're afraid of retaliation by not just the cartels on the other side, but the elected officials in their own community. Let that sink in. They're more afraid of the politicians and the cartel. Why? Because... It's, it's starting to look like they're working in unison, folks, that these groups are working in unison. One of the other gentlemen that I talked to in Texas was Mark McClowski. Mark is the, uh, the gentleman that lived in St. Louis during the Black Lives Matter protest where they broke into his gated community and he walked out onto his front lawn with his firearms to protect his property and get, ended up getting in trouble for that. Uh, this is what he had to say. Uh, it's interesting that he's saying the same exact things that, that we've been saying. Civil war is on the horizon. And you should be aware of it and protect yourself. This is what he had to say about the event in Texas. There were comments about uh, this event potentially being uh, another January 6th moment. Why aren't you concerned about that? Well, I, I, you know, I'm, not only am I not concerned about it, I think that that's true. It may be intentional, but it's a good thing because we're in a state where the judges, at least outside of the big cities that are blue cities, outside of Houston, Dallas, Austin, and, and San Antonio, you'll have honest judges and honest jurors, and you're not going to get the kind of shellacking that Ryan Zink got in D.C. for his January 6th non-offensive. If you can, they have the ability to, to gerrymander and pick the jurisdictions where the prosecutors corrupt, the judges are corrupt, and the juries are biased to persecute people that stand up for freedom. If you do it in the state of Texas, I think they'd find a different result. Now, we know your story. Um, what brings you here today? Well, you know, I believe that the nation stands on the brink of civil war right now. I think that the uh, old North Bridge may now be uh, uh, Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, Texas. We've got the federal government standing up against the, the state of Texas in a battle over basically the nature of our republic. Public, the independence of the states, states' rights, those things guaranteed by the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution, among other things. And it's, it's, it's a tipping point in our civilization. We're either going to fix this problem right now or we'll be a slave nation forever. There's a, there's a big, um, what happens to you and your wife when you're front step of your home? Should more can Americans be concerned about the Nazis and those coming in do the exact same thing? Well, you know, uh, when we addressed the Republican National Convention, I talked about affirmatively furthering fair housing with the government's plan, Joe Biden's plan, to invade the suburbs and eliminate single-family housing and uh, eliminate uh, uh, housing lot restrictions so they could do exactly that. They could infiltrate the suburbs with people that don't share our beliefs in our, in our freedom, don't share our beliefs in our civilization, in our heritage, in our constitution. I think that there is going to be some, I believe, and let me back up and say, I believe that Antifa and BLM can be turned on and off like a light switch by the powers that be. And I think they're going to be turned back on this summer to, to foment the crisis, which they can then blame on Trump and the MAGA Republicans and right-wing extremism. But I, I think that there is a concern about that. They uh, make a big point of saying that we're going to bring this to you in the suburbs, and I think they mean it. And I think that the forces of the people that run this country want that to happen. They found, you know, if you listen to Tucker Carlson or Alex Jones or Vijay, they all say the same thing. And that is that they don't believe 
that the battle for the presidency is going to be between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, that neither one of those people will survive for election day. I'm a little concerned about that, but I know that if it looks like Donald Trump's actually going to win and be president again, the left, the swamp, the, uh, the powers of evil will pull out every possible stop to make that not happen. And I think that the civil unrest is going to be a big part of that. Of course, the old cliche, out of chaos comes tyranny, and what they want is tyranny, and they will use chaos to create it. What's the best way, uh, this last question, what's the best way, uh, in your opinion, for Americans to be a part of fighting back? They, they seem like, um, feel powerless, and our, the, the, the elected officials that were supposed to fight for us have re refused to do so. I think, I think the answer is, you know, I ask every audience, including this audience here today, how many of us believe that there's a political solution to this problem, and nobody ever raises their hand. And the reason is that the powers that be select the range of candidates you're allowed to vote for, so no matter who wins the election, their guy gets the place. And that's the problem. What you really have to do, and I don't know how to do this, you have to eliminate the uh, the influence of the small uh, special interest groups, meaning the billionaire class, the people that actually run the world, the people that pull the strings of the billionaire class, and, and separate that from the electoral process. The problem right now is that it all comes down to money. You can run the best campaign you can, you can campaign your rear end off, you can engage in as much retail politics as you want to, but the person that has the appropriate political consulting firm, which then generates the tens of millions of dollars necessary, or a billion dollars if you're running for president, that's who's going to win the election, almost without a doubt. Rare exceptions occur, like, like Donald Trump in 2016, but they're working like hell to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. But it all comes down to money and power. And you have to, but the only thing we can do is what I said to this group here today, what I say every time. The only thing that's going to save this country is widespread, mass, peaceful, civil disobedience. They can't put us all in jail. They can't kill us all. You know, Stalin killed millions of his citizens. Mao killed millions of his citizens. It'll eventually get to that point in this country unless the people stand up right now and just refuse to cooperate. The next time they roll out, when when Pedro Scabiesos rolls out the next uh, pandemic, uh, Virus X and tells us all we have to be locked down, just say no and hell no, and we're not going to take it anymore. talking about civil war in our nation. Why? Because our politicians are corrupt. The system is corrupt. Why are so many people talking about civil war or revolution? Because we see what's happening. Folks, the, the, the American Revolutionary War was not really what people think it was. They didn't want to overthrow the system and create something completely brand new. That's not what they wanted to do. They wanted their rights back. They had, they had exercised rights as British citizens for years, for decades. And now the king was, well, he was saying, you've got to do this and this and this. And he was pressuring. They were pressuring the, 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 the uh, colonist. The British government was, was pressuring the colonist and removing rights from the colonist while their British brethren in London and elsewhere around the planet exercised different rights and more rights. And the, the, the colonists said, we want these rights back. That's why they fought. They enjoyed the system that they were in. It was peace and prosperity. They didn't have any problem with that. But when they decided to change the system and change the rules because the king would not relent, they decided to do something better to make a, a nation that was built on the rule of law, not the whim of one man. And what we've been living under for the past few months, the past few years, is the whim of one man or two men. 
globalist telling the entire population what they can or can't do, even the president, Biden is not free to do what he wants to do. Trump started exercising that right, and what did they do? The entire system came down on him. Why? There's a reason why. It's simple. Control. Trump was a threat to their control. Trump is a threat to their authority. And if you and I decide not to comply, we're a threat as well. That's why they have to, through social media, take away your speech. They have to take away your right to move. I just rented a car. This is, this is asinine. I rented a car in Texas because the car we had broke down. So I'm renting a car to get back. And I kept couldn't understand why I kept having to uh, refill the gas tank over and over and over again, like like every 200 miles. And, and I realized that, well, wait a minute, th- this, this tank is only 11 gallons. How many gallons does your car have in it? My car has 17. I've got a little sports car. It's got 17 gallons in it or 17 gallon tank. My my uh, work van, it has a 32 gallon uh, tank on it, I believe, 30 or 32 gallons. That's so you can travel great distances. They're limiting the range of your cars, folks, to be similar to that of the electric vehicle. They want to acclimate you to a, uh, a, a, a less of a driving distance. I know it sounds crazy, but look at what we lived through for, for, through the last seven years. How many lies have we been told over and over and over again? And so when we notice these little things, they shouldn't be looked at as conspiracy theory. You should ask, why would they take a car and give it an 11-gallon tank? Because they don't want you going more than 326 miles. By the way, that's the distance it gives you, 326 miles. What is that? That's the average range of an electric vehicle. Fully charged electric vehicle, the range is about 326 miles. Don't call me a conspiracy theorist unless you know all the facts. It's interesting what we've been going through, uh, and there are people like myself and others that have been standing for the last three or four years. Those of us that on January 6th decided that we needed to air our grievances, to go yell at the government and tell them what was wrong and what we didn't like, and we headed to D.C. on January 6th, and we did just that. And what happened? They leveraged us as criminals, as terrorists, that we're a threat to the system. We're not a threat to the system. We're a threat to you. We don't, like our founding fathers, we didn't want to tear down the system. We want the corruption gone. We want our rights back. We want to be able to speak freely. And we don't want to have to ask permission to exercise said rights. I said once, I've said it a million times. If you have to ask permission to exercise a right, it's not a right, it's a permission. If you have to ask the government for the right to own a gun, then you don't have the right to own a gun. If you have to ask the government for permission to do, when did you have to, when's the last time that you had to write a letter to the government or apply to the government for the right to buy a book, to sell a book, to write something, to to, to read something? When's the last time you had to do that? Firearms are the only one that they say this about. Firearms are the only right that they say, no, it's not absolute. You, you, we're going to put restrictions on you getting these things to exercise this right. Why? Well, we're trying to keep them away from the criminals. How's that worked? How has trying to keep the guns away from the criminals worked? By forcing legal gun owners to jump through hoops to exercise their constitutional rights. We've got 20,000 laws on the books on the one, the one right, the one uh, constitutional amendment that says, don't fuck with this one. We've got 20,000 laws on the books. 
How many laws on the books are there about free speech? There aren't any. Defamation and slander, thats those, those are crimes because you've spoken against them. It's not what you believed, right? You defamed them. You slandered them. Well, you should be able to do that. Well, it destroys their business you shouldn't be able to. If you say for four years, for example, that you've got hardcore evidence that the president of the United States peed on hookers in Russia, and you've got hardcore evidence of that, and you, you, you do that for four years— uh, yeah, that's defamation. That's slander. You knew that that wasn't true, Adam Schiff. You told that lie anyway. We've got men and women, folks, that are running for office. And you've got a bunch of people out here that are saying, well, nothing's ever going to happen. You're right. You're right. Nothing's ever going to happen with that mentality. We have two options. We can either put all of our faith into the 2024 elections and cross our fingers and hope to God that everything goes without a hitch. Or we can plan for what happens afterwards, because we know what's going to happen afterwards. We know what's coming next. You know it. I know it. Mark McCloskey knows it. He knows that that we're, we're headed towards civil war, civil dis- disobedience. And what we have on our side this time is we have the Kyle Rittenhouse rule. Folks, you have the right to defend your property. You do not allow, you do not have to allow... Black Lives Matter, Antifa, or whoever the fuck else they send in, whether it be these illegal aliens, whoever it is, you have the right to defend your home. You have the right to defend your community. And if the police will not do it, that doesn't mean that you're in the wrong. It just means that they're going to have to be held accountable at a later date. Police officers, I asked two police officers in, in St. Louis. I said, why didn't you guys go uh, against the, the, the orders of your, your um, these were two detectives, by the way. Why didn't you go against the orders of your um, superiors and act? You knew that what was happening in the streets was illegal. If I was just doing it by myself and there wasn't 100, 150 people behind me doing it, you would arrest me immediately. Why didn't you start with one at a time? Well, it would get bigger. The question I the question I asked was, why didn't you why didn't you do uh, what you said you would do in your oath? And they looked at each other, and what they realized was is because they had a mortgage to pay. These are conservative cops. These aren't cops that are, you know, on the other side. These are conservative cops. They they're Trump fans. They're since retired, but folks, they. They did what I fear is going to happen, is that our police officers have a mortgage to pay first, and that's their first allegiance. It's not to you. It's not to your rights. It's to them paying their mortgage, them paying for their car. And we've seen seen time and time again where that leads us. Where it leads us is we, we see cities burn. We see whole communities decimated. And then we're supposed to praise the police for, for not letting it get out of hand. They have, they have the right and authority to defend the community as well. They don't have to ask their boss for permission. I can tell you that any group of police officers that decide to abandon the, um, the sit-down-and-do-nothing order from the, the, those on, on high, we will protect them. 
If they're protecting the community, we will protect them. The mayor is more afraid of us than he is the, the police union, trust me. Police union can do nothing for him. We have to be the advocates for our own freedom, people. We have to do it. We can't rely on the police or the military or President Trump or a congressman or a senator. We have to defend our rights and our freedoms for ourselves. That's our right. It's our, it's our responsibility. You want to vote? Defend the vote with your life. Stop thinking that somebody else is going to go do it for you. We need people like this. This was another gentleman that I met in Texas. His name is Ryan Zink. Ryan Zink has spent his time in the D.C. Gulag because he was also at January 6th. He was also there standing for his rights. And for that, he went to prison. Here's his story. Our is disaster. $35 trillion in debt. I don't have to be a financial expert to tell you that if I have $4 and something costs 5 that I have to borrow one for him and I have to pay him two back, we probably shouldn't be doing it. It takes tried and true patriots just like each and every one of you that showed up here to stand behind Ken Paxton, to stand behind Governor Abbott, to stand for the state of Texas, because the border is not a Texas issue, it's an American issue. I decided to run for Congress because after I had gotten out of the D.C. gulag where I was poisoned and, uh, you know, turned into a political prisoner in the United States, that I, nobody was coming out to help me. And I was looking to see if there was a way that I could make a difference for the American family. And since nobody was going to help me, that means that nobody else is going to help the other American family. So I decided to stand in the gap for, you know, for everyone to try to make sure that this never happened to another family again. What's your of this gathering today for America? I think that the most important aspect of this gathering today is the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We, you know, this this gathering that's here today, it's not a bipartisan issue. This has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the state. We just came out here to worship the Lord and to pray for our nation because the border is not a, you know, it's not just a Texas issue. It's an American issue. And we need to get this closed down because it affects all of us. You know, what inflation is through the roof, we have lots and lots of problems with immigration in this state. And it just, you know, they're sending them out everywhere. It's just time to shut it down. Political prisoners need our help. Kramer says is on a mission to raise $100,000 or more. Can you help? Join our mission today at KramerSays.shop says is everywhere twitter true instagram and always on america's fastest growing free speech platform kramer says social make your free account today at kramer says kramer says com. we're watching kramer says Welcome back to the show. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. Uh, one of the issues that's um, uh, hit in the last few weeks, uh, there's been a lot of um, new information coming out about what's going on in Georgia with the elections down there. But today there was a hearing that I thought was um, impactful. Molly Hemingway, who I love, I think she's uh, she's even toned and great. She looks at things from all sides, um, gives a breakdown here that I think is is imperative for the, the uh, average American to hear as to where our um, election security is, uh, how our elections are run, who's in charge of them, and what we need to do. The American system of self-governance is under attack. 
Instead of an election day where everyone votes at the same time and with the same full set of information, votes are counted quickly and everyone promptly knows and trusts the outcome, we now have lengthy election seasons that can last months prior to and even after election day. The situation is so absurd that we have presidential and gubernatorial debates weeks after some people have already voted. Instead of having total security and a verifiable chain of custody for ballots being issued, cast, and counted, we flood addresses across the country with tens of millions of unsupervised mail-in ballots months ahead of elections, frequently to locations from which voters, if they're even alive, have long since moved. Instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law, we have allowed the private takeover of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family, again, reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Instead of a system of rule of law that gives Americans the same rights and due process, the Department of Justice and other partisan actors are prosecuting their opposition, whether powerful or lowly, and doing so in places where partisan juries will ensure a quick conviction. Instead of a free and independent press that shares news and information to help inform voters, we have a press that is almost exclusively the arm of one political party and is so corrupt that it is willing to perpetrate hoax after hoax against opposition party members. Instead of a vibrant public square where Americans can debate issues and express their strongly held views, we have an elaborate censorship industrial complex where the government works hand in hand with tech oligarchs to suppress and blacklist debate on all the important issues that contribute to election outcomes. This is something I know firsthand because our government worked with tech companies to censor me for my election reporting. Allowing just one of these attacks to infect our electoral system would be a crisis. Allowing all of them at the same time is an existential threat to our system of self-government. In my best-selling book on how election administration has been co-opted by groups seeking political power, I reported on a new phenomenon in the 2020 election that has already severely eroded trust and needs to be addressed decisively. In the last presidential election, nonprofit groups with very strong ties to the Democrat Party and funded by one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, took over government election offices, most notably in the Democrat areas of swing states. Since then, the efforts by partisans to further infiltrate government election offices to ensure favorable outcomes have only increased. I look forward to answering questions about how the private oligarch takeover of elections is a threat to our system of self-government. Well, you have it. I think that's pretty succinctly put as to where we are in this nation right now. And what did you hear? Did you hear her calling for people to step forward and, and do the right thing in government? No. Nope. 
there to answer questions, expecting the the oligarchs to do the right thing. Folks, we're not going to get any farther with this argument and this debate if we continue down the same path of thinking that the politicians are the solution. Mark McCloskey said it. He doesn't think that there's a political solution to the issues that we're suffering through right now, the problems that we're having. Why would he say that? Because we've tried that process, and the process is corrupt. When, when you have to go to court to get public records and sue for public records, the system is corrupt. Why? Well, the public records show what the public uh, servants have been doing and how they've been corrupt and what they've, how they've been robbing you blind. They don't want you seeing that. So then they cover it up, and then they make rules that makes it impossible for you as a citizen to get the, the materials and the information that you have a right to. And then they threaten you. Like in Molly Hemingway's case, where the federal government went after her directly. Or in my case, where I've been silenced time and time again across multiple social media platforms. I don't break the community guidelines. I tell the truth. I talk about things that are going on, things that are important for me. And the problem with that is, is that message is catching on. It's fire because people are not used to hearing truth. They're not used to hearing people who say what they mean and saying it loudly without worrying about the repercussions. That's what all Americans have to do. You want your America back? You've got to speak up because the politicians that are currently in power are not the solution. We need brand new blood, completely new blood, not these old hacks and old hags that have been in there for 30 and 40 years. How do I know that they won't do anything? How do I know that they won't deliver on their promise? Simple. They haven't. Like Jim Baird in Indiana. He's, a, he's my congressman. Went to D.C. and voted against Biden's Green New Deal. Looks good at home, right? He's bragging about it. I voted against that bill. I don't believe in it. Then he goes in and authors a bill to go spend that Green New Deal money in Indiana, tax dollars, and call it economic development. That's what Jim Barrett is doing in the 4th District of Indiana. He's got to go. He's corrupt or inept. I don't care which one it is. It doesn't matter. Regardless, he's got to go. He's not benefiting me. He's hurting me. In one of his... Um, Publications that he sent out through Franked Mail, the privilege that congressmen use to be able to market to their constituents about how good of a job they're doing. That's your tax dollars at work, by the way. They, uh, he said in this, this, um, this piece that we don't need to raise taxes. We don't need to raise taxes. This new bill, this new $1.9 trillion bill, we don't need to do that. We've already got a trillion dollars left from the COVID money. No, we don't, Jim. There's no COVID money sitting around in a bank account waiting to be spent. There's an IOU sitting there. Return it to the Fed. Stop paying the goddamn interest on money you haven't used yet. That's the mentality of today's conservative establishment hacks. They think that they've got money. They don't have any money. There's no money. There's your pocket and there's my pocket. They go and they grab into your pocket and my pocket whenever they run out of what they've got. There's no governmental money. There's no stash that the government has ready to pay bills. How do I know? We're in debt. You don't have any money when you're in debt. That's the problem. You're in debt because you don't have any cash. 
And they sit there and they tell you that you're the problem. Molly Hemingway says it right. These are all the situations that we're in. These are all the issues that we're going through. And what has that led to? Where we are right now, where we're on the brink of civil war revolution in this nation. We've got an open border. It's not going to stop. How do I know? Because the politicians that are in charge that got us here are wanting you to reelect them. And the only way that that happens, if you're dumb enough to elect the incumbent, it's you. You keep harping and harping and harping about term limits. We already have term limits. They're called elections. But that takes you being educated enough. That puts the onus back on you. You have to say, I'm not voting for that guy, the guy whose name I know. I'm not voting for him because I know he won't do anything for me because he hasn't. That's what you've got to understand. That's what you've got to get through your brain. The guy who promised you time and time and time again to stand by your side. Look at Ryan Zink and his story. He has problems. He gets arrested. He goes to his congressman. He goes to his senator. He goes to his elected officials. And what did they do? They abandoned him because it doesn't benefit them politically. If you don't realize that you're in this fight by yourself, there's nobody coming to your aid. I'm not standing by your side as you get into this fight. That's your fight on your own. The fight for your individual rights are yours. What you need me there for, what you need others there for is to support you so that you don't get jumped on, so that they don't jump in and start beating you up altogether. That's what we're there for. We're there to defend so there's never a fight in the first place. We're there to help you so the others back down. That's what we're there for. But you have to stand for your rights in the first place. With that being said, my name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. We'll be back again soon or as soon as we can. We'll see you then. Watching Kramer Says.